0: So,
1: so welcome to, to Conversations on the Turtle.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm Danielle, and I live in Boston area. I live in Brookline, Mass. And um, I've been studying Ayurveda for, I think it's a year and a half now, right? Because yeah. I started when I started at Kripalu, really.
1: Although, and I guess if you're taking a broader broader look at Ayurveda in general you've probably been studying that for a lot longer just didn't just not by that name perhaps yeah definitely um and
0: I guess I'll talk uh so I came to Ayurveda because I was I actually came to Ayurveda from Bollywood um I watch a lot of Hindi movies and I cook a lot of food and I um got into Indian uh, cooking, and I started working my way through cookbooks, and I found out that Ayurveda was the foundation of all cuisine in India. And then I um, decided I needed to know more about that, and I went. I found a class at Kripalu actually, and um, and then that kind of opened uh, the Ayurveda
1: universe to me. The official Ayurveda universe. Um, And then... right, I'm Cecilia, and I live in Charlottesville, Virginia right now, um, which is sort of central Virginia, about two and a half hours south of D.C., um, east of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Some people don't know where it is. And I have a little baby, Beatrix, so you'll probably hear her from time to time. And I went I guess technically the more traditional right route into Ayurveda so I was am a longtime practitioner of Ashtanga yoga and when I ended up in India I learned about this other thing called Ayurveda that I'd never heard about before Um, and I got a book and then I because that you know that's kind of how my style of learning um, is to go that way and then found out there was a small uh, clinic just close to where I lived in Mysore in Southern India. And I asked them if they had any classes. So I had um, a little intro class with a nurse and a doctor, and that involved some cooking and some like basics, which was really neat. And that was enough to get my interest going. And I kind of lived the practice for a while. And then when I moved back to the US a couple years ago, I was thinking about what I wanted to do with my life. And as we'll get into, I think Ayurveda is really powerful. So I started looking for courses and I went to Kripalu for a bit. That's where I met Danielle. Um, and then ended up studying some other places and now self-studying, which is kind of neat. And that, I guess, brings us to what we're doing here.
0: Yeah, so we are um, hoping to, um, you know, we're going to start by reading um, Ashtanga shridayam Dayam. Um, And we are going to probably, I don't know, my goal was to get through a chapter in every podcast, but that's kind of ridiculous. um, Because, oh yeah, and I'm also a mom. I have a nine-year-old. So we're both householders. um, And uh, yeah, so we bring that perspective to Ayurveda. And um, so I was hoping to get through about a a chapter in every podcast or something like that. But I think what we're going to do is a loose, um sort of read through and we might we might discuss each um shloka as we go through or if anything comes up we'll discuss it and um, we'll see how long about that takes um we've so that i guess that's the goal here um i also wanted to say too um i came to um I also am a I'm a cultural studies. I majored in cultural studies. So, um my background is actually in Japanese studies. Um and I didn't study India formally. Um but now I'm kind of obsessed with it. So <laughs> so um so we might start with Ashtanga Hridayam, but we might work through other Vedic texts later because they're all intertwined and they're all connected and um Ayurveda isn't just limited to the um, Charaka or to Ashtanga or um, it's a uh, it's a it's a big picture
1: or you know, to India um... even really right I mean it's yes. so it's India's maybe the birthplace and where a, a nice jumping off point but I think one of the instructors at Kripalu mentioned that Ayurveda is folk medicine and it's for the people. And that's really interesting to me. So the cultural context of India is amazing. But I'm so interested in how it applies to everyday life and how each culture kind of has this knowledge within it, perhaps called something else or maybe not even called anything at all. But it's something that feels like in the modern world, we've moved away from um, maybe to our own detriment.
0: <laughs>
1: I think that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely...
0: True. I think that like also we I think that the reason that we connected to was because we both come from like we both lived abroad. Like I lived in Japan before and before I started cooking Indian food, I was cooking Japanese food. And my sister started a small farm in uh, New Hampshire and she was really into um, eating locally and, you know, traditional food. Um, traditional diets and getting back to the root of things. And um, I think you are like, you're also
1: doing that, right? Um, So I live in Charlottesville and my husband is a farmer and I kind of help. I'm an assistant farmer, I guess. Um, And we're really interested in getting back to living seasonally, eating the food and also respecting the land, which is, I think, part of the microcosm, macrocosm that we'll get into, I'm sure, at length. Uh, one of these (laughs) one of these podcasts yeah (laughs) yeah um
0: should we say anything else or should we start should we start reading
1: i i guess there's also the the i don't i don't really want to call it a disclaimer but we're not experts we're just students as you um might have guessed from our introductions and we're just interested in talking about these things it feels um like a lot of it a lot of conversations can be behind paywalls or um, under classes or things like that. And really, because this is the people's medicine and our medicine, it's there for everybody, and everybody can read these texts. So um, that's kind of why we're doing it, and just to know that we're not Vedic scholars or things like that.
0: Or and doctors. And we also... Um... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're students, and the idea really well, this really started because we wanted to do read books together, so we talked about having a book club, and then we were like let's talk about books together so let's start the classics and then we were like why don't we record it and allow other people to join the conversation so at some point maybe there'll be at some point we'll figure out a way for other people to get involved or follow along with us um send us questions or whatever chime in um but um but we're just going to start start by reading and talking and um and recording i guess right
1: yeah that's it i think that's it so it's not too official or um i don't know just a nice casual way to have these conversations and have them recorded in some way and maybe um, have a larger community at some point and uh in advance i would like to
0: apologize
1: for my terrible sanskrit <laughs> Which is still better than mine, <laughs> is, it, is it? Are you sure? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I
0: have uh, been trying to um, practice reading the like the actual Sanskrit, the um, um, but uh, it's not going very well. It's slow. Progress, <laughs> right? Um, all right, so. How about, how about we take turns? Um, I was thinking we could each read some of these sections. I was thinking we could each read either a section or a shloka. We could do it either way. Um,
1: so yeah, like, so where are you starting? I was thinking of the first one. I think we have the same right? uh, not
0: the, Yeah, not the. Uh, yep. Okay.
1: Not the intro.
0: Um, uh, Ayushkamiya. Atyaya, Desire for Long Life. Um, I could start, I guess, since I already read the, <laughs> the chapter yeah. title. That's the chapter title. So page one. Um, no, it's page three. Okay. Um, so Namaskara. Um, so, obeisances be to that Apurva Vaidya, unique, unparalleled, rare physician, who has destroyed without any residue... All the diseases, like raga, passion and desire, etc., which are constantly associated, innate or inherent, with and spread all over the body, giving rise to outshukya, anxiety, moha, delusion, and arati, restlessness. And the notes say, The term raga, etc., includes kama, lust, krodha, anger, lobha, greed, madha, arrogance, matsarga, jealousy, dvesha, hatred, baya, fear, and many such bad emotions. Um, I think I have a couple notes on this. So, uh, Raga, Raga, so I was looking up i don't even remember where i looked this up i read this a while ago but um this idea that um desire leads to attachment and attachment always causes anxiety so raga which is passion and desire is attachment and um and there's a list of uh So it's the basically it's talking about the relationship between the um the ego and the material world um, and the the spirit and the
1: like reality. And that idea that disease comes from those because that's kind of novel in our world, right? In the West, we would say disease comes from maybe bad genes or you ate the wrong food or something like that. but to take it all the way back to raga, to your passions to, what, lust, anger, greed, arrogance, jealousy, hatred, fear, and other bad emotions? I mean, that's such a, such an interesting idea. That it's not just, that it's all of these really basic, innate, um, actions or feelings that then lead to disease. Because how many people in the West would say, like, jealousy leads to disease? Right. Definitely. Um or passion desire right like you're i I mean i love what you said about oops um about like ego being the root of that because it's our desires right that leads to all these things like leading to different like eating the wrong foods or behaving in weird ways that then ultimately do lead to disease Mm. i think it's also interesting to see
0: that like because the first line is Um, about the unique unparalleled rare physician who has destroyed these diseases and in just saying that it's saying that in order to be a good physician we have to like the, the physician has to let go of attachment to outcome because the attachment to the outcome will cloud their ability to see reality or to properly diagnose and treat somebody
1: right Gosh, I don't know any physicians who've done Um, that. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um. (laughs) I'm just thinking of the (laughs) physicians I know. And not just physicians, but people, right? Like, how many people do you know who've even come close to that? (laughs) Like, what a tall order. Right.
0: Otsukya, we will treat from fear. Moha, we will not see truth. Arati, we will rush to conclusion. Or we will rush into treatment, or we will rush in general. Because when you serve the ego, you're really serving yourself. You can't serve the the patient or the client or whatever you know the person that you're trying to help. You know, if whenever you serve the ego, and and this like this is a greater lesson outside of Ayurveda too. Like when you serve your ego in your interactions in life, you're not a you're not present for whatever you're doing um or you're not present to the person that you're connecting with you're not connecting with anything so the idea like I don't know I feel like this is a really important this this opening is here for a reason you know Um, definitely yeah definitely
1: yeah because how can you see anything else right how can you even read this book which I mean I guess then you just have not not total understanding right if you're serving your ego or if your ego is still involved in whatever you're doing right and it's like yeah
0: i I think it's like it's there it's a lesson it's a a lifetime of observation and um you know connecting with with source i guess uh, for lack of a better word that um will teach you how to um, like, let go of the ego, so I guess this is, like, a step in that direction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let go of the <laughs> ego, yeah. I mean, even just recognizing your own ego, right, that you have an ego, that it's involved in whatever it is you're doing, I mean, that's such, mm. that's a really big first step, right? Yeah. Um, maybe
0: I'll continue to finish the Namaskara section and then Uh, so the next part says um, we shall now expound the chapter Ayushkamiya, desire for long life, thus said Atreya and other great sages Um, and uh, person desirous of long life which is the means instrument for achieving dharma, righteousness artha, wealth and sukha happiness should repose utmost faith in the teachings of Ayurveda. And the notes say, uh, Sukha sukha includes both Kama, desire of sensual enjoyment, and Moksha, salvation. Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha are known as purusarthas, aims or pursuits of life, to be followed by every person. For achieving these, a long and healthy life is essential. By his statement, thus said Atreya and other great sages. Vagbata, the author of this treatise, desires the readers to note that the opinions found herein are his own, are not his own, but the teachings of ancient sages only. And so, the authority and sanctity of these need not be doubted. Um, I uh, looked up the uh, Perusar Perusartas. Um, which literally means ends to be striven for by human beings. Um, I looked this up on Hindupedia.com. So that's where I got this definition. <laughs> uh, recognizing the basic needs and cravings of a human being, the ancient sages have given a fourfold ideal to be striven for um, Dharma, which is righteousness. And um, that the root of this word is a uh, dur to uphold, sustain, uplift um uplift the law of nature or follow your duty um so dharma sustains the universal and social order um and um there's uh, many definitions for dharma um but i'm just gonna stick to that one but basically, yeah that's a pretty heavy um, word <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i was like getting a little like i I hardly got through this whole chapter because I spent so much time trying to understand all of these concepts like thoroughly. And, um, and then my brain erased because, uh, I have child and that's what happens when you have children. And, um, now I'm reading it again. So, (laughs) um, ordinary human endeavors can suit. Uh, so ordinary human endeavors include the pursuit of Kama and Artha, and these are wrapped up in Dharma. So the pursuit of, pleasure and security and that security can be financial it can be emotional um and pleasure is pleasure and then the so- um hmm?
1: i was gonna say this also kind of relates to different stages of your life too right um yes uh, yeah uh, would actually-
0: <clears throat> like the pitta phase is the like pitta the- phase exactly the, is, the phase, uh,
1: like, the kapha phase when you're building, when you're becoming a person.
0: Yeah. And then moksha is the fourth phase. Um, liberation, freedom from worldly bondages that lead to rebirth, such as lust, love, anger, greed, delusion, and envy. <laughs> so in, in I wonder if, like, the idea that um, freedom from these bondages is part of moksha, as part of liberation, means that you have to experience those bondages
1: as part of your dharma in order to get through them? I mean there's, being a human, being born into this, like realm, sorry for the baby Mm. um, (laughs) I would think means that you do experience those right? Like you, I mean that's part of the human experience in general Mm. and in some way by saying that there's a physician that has actually moved beyond these is an indication that we all have them, like we all go through them yeah Uh,
0: I have a quote here every person is free to pursue the path of artha and kama comfort and pleasure but always within the perimeters of dharma neither artha nor karma nor kama can ever be satiated and there must be a higher goal sought after um,
1: this reminds me that reminds me um, of the sadhana lecture that we both listened <laughs> to this week right mm. um, so having something else that you're working towards not just fulfilling your desires
0: it's like so I feel like that's like I don't know that's like something that um, personally I I don't know why that from a young age, um, I realized that I was kind of surrounded by people that were, um, whose happiness was really rooted in, um, owning and accumulating and, you know, capitalist, (laughs) uh, society, you know, and they're, they're where they fit there. And I, I don't know what it was for me when I was younger that I, I realized it wasn't, attainable um i knew that you know when relatives um that were really wrapped up in this idea of owning a house or you know accumulating all of these possessions and i knew they it's great to get what you need to fulfill your dharma in life but i knew that they there was nothing else there was something else missing and that when they did find these things they found that they weren't happy still and um yeah,
1: I. Well, can you I ever? I mean, if something... you're if you're just working for your desires, can you ever fill them? I mean, that's the whole thing, right? If you're exactly if you get enough to live your life, that's so much different than like being the slave of your desires.
0: Yeah, that's a really good way to put it too. I think that like, yeah, definitely. Um, this idea it, like you can't ever fulfill it. <laughs> it's, right, like, because
1: it's... once once you fulfill one then there's just another one, right? It's like once you get the watch you want, there's a nicer watch or there's like a different car or there's a bigger house or you need furniture for the house or you need like a nicer couch or a better stereo or whatever. Like think there's always yeah. something else to get. And that's part of our society too. It's like built
0: into the capitalist structure, which I think is... Um... I don't want to get into a lot of that now um but <laughs> but at some point I know that we'll have like a larger conversation about that especially as we continue reading but um yeah studying like living abroad and studying um history you you really see how um people are colonized like physically emotionally spiritually um and I think that um the way that we live today and the culture that we live in in a lot of ways has taken taken the, the soul away taken our like has uh occupied our spirit uh collectively
1: i really like that occupy our spirit cuz it feels like a big distraction right like all of these things that we think are going to bring us joy and happiness are really just distractions from what actually does bring us joy and happiness and fulfillment and health um i also before we move on i want to talk about um the desire to desirous of a long life like is that that as a goal for people um Mm. and what does that mean and like is that having a long healthy life i'm always struck in ayurveda how you know the, the view of health and the lack of disease which really is they talk about here is different than what it is in our culture so yeah i mean i guess we did it already a little bit but the lack of disease is not just like not having diabetes but it's a different kind of freedom it's a different kind of health like a freedom from desires a freedom from those um weird societal needs is totally different than um, that desire as a disease, exactly. Yeah. It's also
0: interesting to me, like this idea of a long, like if if we have something that we have, you know, to achieve moksha, um, to it to be to achieve liberation, because you know we're we're also talking about like liberation from the rebirth cycle, um, and. That that means that we have to, you have to go through a long life in order to learn all the lessons and get through, um, the, to really like get in touch with your spirit, you know, to get in touch with with source, and so, if disease gets in the way of that, like there's no, you you can't get there, you know, um, so it but this is you know emotional, um mental disease also diseases of the mind body and spirit so um yeah i i don't know i um i think a little bit about like like now that i'm reading a little bit of like the vedas and stuff like how the 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 gods uh supposedly or they they lived for like 400 or 500 years they say and um just just the idea that like whether You know, you one would have to live for that long in order to get to that point, you know, like that to me says something about the idea of life cycles or even the cycle of, of the human lifespan, like the idea if you really look at it, the amount of work that you'd have to do in one lifetime, it, it's not like a daunting task, really, it's not like to make it sound impossible, but you really have to be able to like I don't know I don't even know what I'm saying here but
1: (laughs) like it's no it's like it's a lot it's right it's yeah I mean you can you can I can understand some people would hear that and say like well it's not worth it like what what could I actually do in one lifetime but by the same measure if you're doing something in one lifetime maybe that adds up over time right you can actually get somewhere um but and I think I bring,
0: bringing that back to the, like, the idea of a rare physician who is able to do that or who is able to, like, like even even in your, in the, the human lifespan, if you are able to take a step away from serving your own ego or to even recognize when you're doing that versus when you're serving another person or truly connecting, like, that is... That's really all it comes down to.
1: Yes. Yeah, totally. Like, if you can do that once, right? If you can once notice your ego and notice when you're serving it, I mean, that's huge. Even just the recognition that your ego is driving almost everything you you are doing or want to do in your life. Um, And that it's not potentially serving you really as a human being. It's serving something else. And that's huge.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually serving the big picture that's like serving you know your the the your soul your connection to the universe at large and if you're serving truth like tr- the truth that is like your inner being that is you know beneath the ego you're serving anytime you serve the being beneath the ego you're serving the universal whole that that's how yeah. I like to approach life like that's anytime very beautiful. I realize. Yeah, (laughs) thanks. (laughs) Um, I think that like any, yeah, anytime I find myself uh, questioning why I'm doing something or what my motivation is in an interaction, um, I try to bring it back to that place, that like that truth or that source, you know, Um, is it coming from here? Is it coming from truth? Is it coming from the place underneath my ego? And if it is, then
1: it can't be wrong. That's a pretty big question, though. How do you, I mean, how can you really tell if it's coming from your ego or the place underneath? You can't. I mean, (laughs) I
0: don't, you have to, I think it's, I think that's what faith is, maybe. No. Right? Yeah. Like, like, that's entering into the, like, if you enter into that conversation with yourself and you're able to, um you know forgive yourself when you make mistakes or when you realize that you were doing something for the wrong reason or like a reason that was not what you thought (laughs) you know it it, it, what you originally intended or or then you're you've entered into the conversation with the universe yeah you know and and then you have to have faith in that the, the as long as you're constantly asking the questions you know that you're connected in some way yeah i think the, i don't know
1: no that's, i think so. i no favorite. i think that's, that's it my, i think that the questioning and curiosity yeah. is really big right so having that yeah. asking those questions having the curiosity like about going about your daily life um just pondering those things maybe i like what you said put you in touch with the universe because so that's really yeah. what it is and we all i mean probably if you're listening to this or just us listening to to each other um (laughs) if you i mean you know when you you can feel it it feels different right when you're in touch with the universe when you're making a different decision than if it's just a possession i mean our possessions and not just the physical possessions but the, the things that possess our minds when you serve them it usually doesn't feel great right or maybe it feels yeah. okay. Like maybe you were thinking about an ice cream all day and it was possessing your mind and you thought about it and thought about it and you got it. And maybe it feels good for a little bit. Maybe ice cream is a terrible example. Um, but it, it does might be the best example because it possesses me like every day. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, after after you have that momentary like, oh my gosh, this sugary like fatty thing is so delicious. It doesn't... I mean, it's not making your soul feel better, right? And compare that to something when you're serving another person or you're serving the greater good or you're just working to serve your your soul instead of your desires your ego I mean that feels so much different right that I think kind that of this will yeah go ahead i <laughs> oh, sorry I think that this will like this
0: is a, another, this is going to come up a lot. And I think it'll especially come up when we start talking about the um, the um, gunas of the mind. Um, yes. You know, Rajas yeah. and Tamas and Sattva. Because I think that underst- having a basic understanding of how Rajas and Tamas works really helps to, really has helped me at least to see where my actions are coming from. Um, and it also helps me to see where other people's actions are coming from and like where they are um in the moment when they're dealing with problems or they're interacting with the world i can really see when these um gunas are turned on or when they are the source of um of action and it's 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 a i think it's a life lesson like i'm I'm constantly asking myself where, where my motivation comes from. And, um, and I think that, uh, I don't know, this conversation, like we'll definitely get back into this later. And um, because like, I think that like this, when you go through Ayurveda and Ayurvedic treatments, and when we, when we read through this text, um, it's always comes back to like, where at, at your core, what is bringing you through the world and how the decisions we've made or the decisions that others have made around us um, have, you know, stored themselves in our bodies and how we can open up those channels again and get the energy flowing and get the, you know, put the elements back in their places Um, or expel excess elements, dosha. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> Should we go on? Sure. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the or- origin of Ayurveda. So Ayurveda van- Vanatana? I don't know. Can you say that? It's, uh, Ayur- when they get v- so long. Uh,
0: Ayurveda Vantarana.
1: Nah, vantarana. Uh, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's the origin of Ayurveda. Um, so... Brahman, remembering Ayurveda, the science of life, taught it to Prajapati. He, Prajapati, in turn taught it to the Ashvin twins. They da- they taught it to Sashra. <laughs> oh man. I should look at this. Come. Saraha- Raksha, <laughs> I Sakshra. Yeah. Sahara-, oh, <laughs> Sahara Raksha. Am I wrong? Indra. He taught it to Atri's son, Atreya Purnav, Purnavasu or Krishna Artreya and and other sages they taught it to Agnivesha and others and they Agnivesha and other disciples composed treatises, each one separately so the notes on this one uh, the above is a brief narration of the origin of Ayurveda according to Charaka Samhita a full account of it is furnished herein um, do you want me to go through that or do you just want to chat about Um, yeah, we can just chat about that,
0: because
1: it's, uh, um, I mean, uh, it's neat, because the, you know, there's this line about, um, when diseases began to trouble the human beings, the great sages of the world assembled in the slopes of the Himalayan, Himalayan mountains, and resolved to learn the science of Ayurveda from Indra, and bring it to the world for the benefit of living beings, But who would undertake this difficult task of owing to heaven to learn the science from Indra? So that was kind of um, the sages noticing all the disease, then learned the science and brought it to the people. From those treatises, which are very elaborate, hence difficult to study, only the essence has been collected in this treaty, the Ashtanga Hridayam, prepared, which is neither too succinct nor too elaborate. So just the right length, just the right detail. Um, this
0: is like the essence
1: right the essence of uh the
0: gigantic um monstrosity that is um charaka right <laughs> <laughs> which was pulled from the gigantic monstrosity that is the uh vedas that are the vedas um do we have any do we have any comments on that
1: i guess just the the comment that all of these would have been so the way they were taught to Um, the gods and everything the way they were taught to the sages they would have been so there are these lines but then they're expounded upon they're always discussions. so the discussions we're having now you would have with a teacher right and you you would probably learn these things orally um, rather than reading them in a book which is how we learn in the west which is just a different way of absorbing information and communicating information Um, i mean think about it if your school was you learned a book line by line you had to recite it and then you had lectures around that book and that's a much different way than sitting there watching somebody's powerpoint slides right yeah
0: i think it's kind of amazing to think about that because like this entire book is written in shlokas it's poetry um, right and if i could actually read the sanskrit um i bet it would be pretty beautiful and also easier to you know it's like poetry is amazing because it's like it's easier to memorize maybe but harder to actually digest because it's it's kind of a lesson in ayurveda really because in ayurveda you have to observe and draw your own conclusions based on the knowledge that you're receiving and poetry is sort of read the same way yeah right so the fact that this is written in poetry is like it's like telling you straight up (laughs) you have to be able to analyze this yourself and apply your own knowledge and and you know figure out what we're trying to say here so this translation is just one of i'm sure so many right Um, i
1: love i love the idea that the poetry that the um the text is asking more of us than just a textbook right a textbook the idea is that you you know if you had an anatomy and physiology book that you could memorize it you could memorize the names of all the bones in the body um and if you were good at actually retaining that you would just know them forever whereas this in discussing health and disease and life and humanity is asking that every time you read it because it is poetry you're you're putting your own life and context around it, right? You're understanding it maybe at a different level or a deeper level. And that's so beautiful, like that, that the text is asking the student to be thoughtful, to be engaged, to be present, rather than just like memorizing something on flashcards, taking a test and like checking the box.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's also, it's, it's a, it says something about how, long Ayurveda's been in the world you know yeah like like this is this is something that you can analyze and that grows and changes with time and perspective and um and I think like the other classes that we're taking with like you know Dr. Svoboda um and it, it really it the fact that they that he like they are able to take modern science and reflect on these ancient texts using like the what they've come to learn from allopathic medicine and modern the modern understanding of the body um is really it it just like says like you know this it doesn't the more we learn, it doesn't mean it
1: doesn't erase what is said here because it can be reinterpreted forever yeah it's not out <laughs> of date just because it's old right it's not yeah. because it is expansive because it is poetic and it's writing and it's teaching and what it is there's always something else there um, and also I'm amazed every time there's an application of allopathic medicine to Ayurveda how much was actually known and recorded um, in these right. texts it's like it's super like, impressive when, <laughs> like, it's like how did really you know that? Crazy. Yeah. yeah.
0: Or like when there's parts of, you know, the Ayurvedic texts where they're like, oh, we're like, you know, Ayurvedic physicians are like, I don't understand how this applies to the modern world. And then there'll be a discovery in Western medicine and and they'll go, oh, yeah. that's what they meant. You know, I am when I was. Right. Uh, exactly. Studying, um, when I was studying originally my first like run through with Ayurveda, um, somebody pointed out that the. Um, somewhere in the in the text it says something about the um the mind being located in the gut and like in the 70s westerners that had come to ayurveda they like didn't understand how that they were like what does that mean you know like the mind isn't in the gut and then they discovered like the microbiome (laughs) and like the mind gut connection after that and they were like oh
1: oh that's what they meant you know um, so, and everyone so in the west is like oh my gosh what a discovery and everybody who knows these ancient <laughs> things are yeah. just like yeah duh we like knew yeah. that <laughs> right
0: <laughs> obviously shall I read about the um, eight branches of Ayurveda yeah go for it all right Ashtanga Ayurveda uh, eight branches of Ayurveda uh, Kaya, Bala, Graha Urdub Urdhvanga, sy- Shaya, Damshtra, Jara, and Vrissa are the eight branches of Ayurveda in which treatment of diseases is embodied, described. <laughs> Notes uh, <laughs> Kaya Chkitsa branch deals with the treatment of diseases arising from disorders of digestive activity, known in modern parlance as inner medicine. Bala Chkitsa is treatment of diseases of children, pediatrics. Graha Chikitsa means treatment of diseases arising from possession by evil spirits, pathogenic microorganisms, etc. and deals mainly with mental diseases, psychiatry. Urdhvanga Chikitsa deals with treatment of diseases of the head, inclusive of the eyes, ears, and nose, and throat, and teeth, Um, Shalia Chikitsa also known as Shastra Chikitsa deals with treatment of treatment requiring the use of knife surgery. Damstra, Chikitsa is treatment of diseases due to poison, toxicology. Jara Chikitsa also known as Rasayana Chikitsa deals with treatment of diseases of old age. Uh, So geriatrics. Um, Versa Chikitsa deals with treatment of diseases like impotence, sterility, etc., and making man sexually strong by the use of aphrodisiacs, virilification.
1: Um, I think that's pretty... So we're going to start with that last one. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I, uh, I think that's pretty clear. Do you have any comments on that?
1: Um... Just how neat it is. I mean, because you just mentioned the mind gut connection that yeah. the that, um, internal medicine, if you like from their perspective, it is digestive health. So, like, all internal medicine except for eye, you know, the ear, nose, throat, eyes, dentistry is uh, related to and comes back to the uh, digestive and gut health, which That's is a really Pretty good cool point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's definitely a good point um because yeah i mean once you start studying ayurveda everything always goes back to your digestion
1: (laughs) right (laughs) right like like what's your digestion what's your poop what's your like (laughs) right um and that's just such an i feel like western medicine is coming more towards that although in general allopathic medicine is pretty bad at integrating different systems um but it's neat to think of, of of one system kind of being the root of so many other things, right? Because if, if you have a skin disorder, they're going to also look at your digestion, right? Um, which most people, you know, now in 2020, if somebody went to a dermatologist, how many dermatologists are going to ask, like, how is your digestion? What are you eating? Um, but yeah, I just think that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, it also just says, like, everything's connected. And um, yeah, the source is, like, the, the, uh, it says a lot about, like, how um, w- where you absorb nutrients, where you take things into your body is, like, usually where things start to go wrong.
1: Right. right. <laughs> I um So one of my side gigs, although not right now with the coronavirus thing going on, is teaching cooking classes. And last, probably about this time last year, I taught a cooking class to a bunch of cardiologists from um, the University of Virginia. And one of the first things I said to them is you are like literally what you eat, you know, what you consume becomes your bodies because our cells all, you know, they replace themselves over our lifetime and usually not, you know, our skin replaces itself pretty quickly. And they they all just like sat there and stared at me and were like, oh my gosh, we'd never thought of that. which was kind of amazing you know before the class started I thought what am I going to teach a bunch of cardiologists and they had their minds blown just by that statement like wow it really does become you (laughs) that's really amazing I yeah, mean, it's not surprising, but amazing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but it also it's... I mean, we have this statement, you know, like you are what you eat, but how many people actually think that like how many like do we really know what that means? Do we really have we yeah, internalized it... that? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like it's taken for granted. Really? Totally. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, it's so funny that like Ayurveda too, like gives you it, it's like a language to to understand that through, you know, like, to, yeah, like how are you what you eat because um, we say it but we don't in the West but we don't really explore it at all like nobody yeah. ever explained how that works to me growing up
1: no just, me either yeah and maybe that's because all these systems are kept so separate right the fact that I, I spoke to cardiologists who aren't just they're not maybe they don't know or appreciate how much um, the health of our heart and cardiovascular cardiovascular system relates to our, like, overall health, right? So you can't have a healthy cardiovascular system unless you also have a healthy digestion and healthy, et cetera, et cetera. Usually it's just, like, you have the dermatologist and the cardiologist and the, like, orthopedic surgeon, right? And they don't talk to each other or really know. And none of them talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. They're like, well, maybe it has something to do with your nervous system, but I don't know anything about that, <laughs> so. Right. Right. Uh um
0: yeah shall we All right. go on to the tridosha
1: yeah tridosha tridosha the three doshas so vayu uh vata pitta and kapha are the three doshas in brief uh in brief the destroy and support sustain and maintain the body where they are abnormal and normal respectively so um the i guess I'll read the note but so the the doshas support the body um if it's functioning normally but they can destroy it if things are abnormal so the notes say the doshas are material substances present in the body always they have their own definite pram- pramana qual- uh, quantity guna quality and karma functions when they are normal avikrita They attend to different functions of the body and so maintain it. But they have the tendency to become abnormal, vikrita, undergoing increase, vrithi, or decrease, shaya, in their quantity, one or more of their qualities and functions. When they become abnormal, they vitiate their places of dwelling, the datus, or the tissues. Um, (laughs) Because of this tendency of vitiation, they are called as doshas, or vitiators. These three, vata, pitta, and kapha, are more intimately concerned with the body, hence called sharikrita, sharikrita doshas, in distinction of the two manasa doshas, the rajas and tamas, which are concerned with the mind. The specific mention of three, as their number is to deny any fourth dosha, as some consider rakta the fourth one i guess i mean a lot of people if they've heard of ayurveda they've heard of the doshas and that's like yeah i mean the number one question usually is like what's what's my do- like what's my dosha <laughs> um, yeah yeah who am i who am i that's, that's what is my that's the ego
0: feeding question right there right,
1: right. i want to know who i am tell me who i am <laughs> um but it's really they're problematic if they if they become vitiated right so when yeah. they become abnormal, they vitiate their places of dwelling. They may, And then they are called doshas or vitiators, so therefore that's why they're called that. Mm.
0: Yeah, so the three doshas destroy and support, sustain, maintain, when abnormal and normal they are material, these are physical things, these are actually, like, they're things in the body, um, according to Ayurveda, and um, They have their own quantity, quality, and karma. So based on your doshic balance, when you're in balance, your quantity, quality, and the karma of the doshas might change based on, um, might be different than mine. Um, We might have different combinations and whatever the combination was at birth, um, at the moment of conception actually, is what is normal for us right um and when they're vitiated when they're um (laughs) when they are off balance um that is when they become you know things in the body don't work the way that they're supposed to um and the way your body works might be different than the way my body is supposed to work Um, right balance for you might
1: look different than balance for me
0: right um You might be able to run 10 miles every day and i can probably walk three you know what i mean like (laughs) my body might not be built for what your body is built for and um and developing an understanding of that um of your where your baseline is is part of like knowing how the doshas work in the like I, i guess i don't know when we talk about this like rare unparalleled physician (laughs) Um, (laughs) this person um, would have the ability to see that within you like to understand what balance looks like for you um, instead of imposing their idea of what balance looks like you know like this idea that like all people should be able to you know um, I'm trying to think of an example in western medicine you know like how much you're supposed to be able to do a certain thing like can we think of a or the example, distinction
1: or... Um, maybe the maybe it is like in in the West it's like well if you eat this for breakfast and this for lunch and this for dinner you will be healthy <clears throat> and somebody yes. who says like well I lost 10 pounds by eating like a grapefruit with cayenne pepper for breakfast and like a raw <laughs> salad with this for lunch and like no dinner and and that therefore everybody must eat that to be healthy and that might work for that person although it's a sounds like a pretty strange diet but it wouldn't work for me or for you right <laughs>
0: yeah or like i lost 10 pounds doing that but i uh, developed a, a crazy anxiety disorder that i didn't think was related yeah. to the food that i was eating i thought it was related to something else right you know and like you you were able to yeah. lose 10 pounds doing that and feel fine <laughs> you know yeah
1: yeah that's a good example um i feel like the unparalleled distinguished physician is the Ayurveda um, like action figure?
0: Right, right, yeah, uh, A vaidya, yes. Uh, yes, yeah.
1: The unique, unparalleled, Definitely. rare physician. And it, it, it's the, also uh, an example of like that. He <laughs> is the is the action figure. <laughs>
0: Yeah. But it's like, but it's like a goal we should also, like whether we're practicing as like, you know, as like physicians or whatever, or life coaches or, um, it's like the goal that we should strive to in everyday life. Right. Like this idea that we should be able to see things for what they are and not with clouded judgment.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, and I think they're, I mean, this goes. We'll get into it. As with so many, because this is the intro chapter, right? This is just kind of telling us what, yeah, what we're going to be talking about, really. Um, but that idea that, um, r- so there's the component of ego, but it's also balance in your body. So if you have balance in your body, then you can start to maybe believe your cravings or see things more for as as they are, rather than through some diluted. Um, your own condition deludes how you see things, too. Mm.
0: Yeah, and, like, where the elements are in you, where the doshas are in you,
1: too. Um, Shall we continue on? Yeah, sure. Uh, Through present all over the body, they are found predominantly in the region below, middle, and above – respectively of the area between the heart and the umbilicus so the notes say doshas are present in every cell of the body attending to its different functions they are found predominantly in certain places vata in the area below the umbilicus pitta in the area between the heart and the umbilicus and kapha in the area above the heart Um, so that's that one Um, I'm going to read the next as well. So they are predominant respectively during the last, middle, and first stages of lifespan. The night, or sorry, the day, the night, and process of digestion of the food. So the notes explain, vata is predominant in old age, so that's after 60 years. In the afternoon, between 3 and 7 p.m., late night, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., and the end of digestion of food. Pitta is predominant in the middle age, between 20 and 60 years, midday, between 11 and 4 p.m., midnight, between 12 and 2 a.m., and during the middle period of digestion. Kapha is predominant in the early age, from birth up to 16 years of age, in the forenoon, between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m., and in the early part of the night, between 7 p.m. and 11, midnight, and the early period of digestion
0: so this is mostly like you know the times of day they you know the if you have a basic understanding of ayurveda you know that the the doshas are prominent during certain times of day the doshas that are prominent during certain seasons time of life digestion
1: i mean it's really getting us into the the i mean this is the first introduction of the macrocosm microcosm thing right yeah. So these things that are present within us, in every cell, they say, um, are also present in the cycle of our own life, in the cycle of every day. Um, you could probably take it even further than that, right? The cycle of each country has this. So where is a country in its development? Um, yes,
0: or culture, yeah. or people. Yeah. Um, and not and that and that also doesn't mean like one is more advanced than the other. It's just a different stage. It's like right. at a different. A different level of influence and that might be you know that could be it, it, it can look different um, it, it, it's not like a, um, a it's not like a linear path right right yeah
1: and we have different yeah. needs I mean different things are important to do during different times of life and different times of the day and things like that right so what you need to be doing and your qualities in the middle of the afternoon so maybe 1 p.m are are different than what they might be at 7 p.m or 6 a.m in the morning um Mm. and same with your life right when you're when you're Beatrix's age so she's almost four months old they're a lot different than my needs I'm 35 so um they're just it's important to remember that right so what and that maybe goes back to what we were talking about before with the the Western look at, for instance, health and saying if you're looking at diet and that what's healthy for one person is healthy for the next. But what's healthy for me even when I'm 18 is different from when I'm 30 is different from when I'm 70. Like it doesn't, it's your needs change throughout the day, throughout your life. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> Definitely. I think that there's like, um,
0: there's a lot that we could like break down here, but like... I I'm I, it's funny it, doing a podcast is interesting because like there's a part of me that feels pressure to explain these like basic elementary concepts about ayurveda yeah. like break but, down the gunas and the doshas and the times of day um and I think that um because we're we don't that's not the purpose of the podcast really so I think yeah. it's like under, so we're I I kind of am saying this to like the audience like I encourage you to look up the um the doshas and the um and to get an understanding of how they work uh daily hourly seasonally within the body within the time of life um there are a lot of resources out there and um and we're not going to like go into uh the basics cuz i think that this is probably more geared towards uh, Slightly advanced learners of, or yeah. uh, people who have a background in Ayurveda.
1: And it, it right. doesn't, I mean, it's not a, this is not an introduction to Ayurveda class, perhaps. Um, yeah. But the thing I would say is it's a nice way to maybe be curious about your own life. So if you haven't, if this is a new concept that there are different qualities in different times of the day, Or different parts of your life like it's a nice way to actually just invite curiosity and ask questions like how do i feel at different times of the day do i have different qualities in my body yeah and like
0: and like yeah i mean observation is like the beginning of all of this right right it's like yeah (laughs) detached observation right
1: yes yeah no judgment there right no uh Um, should we move on
0: to uh, Agni Bedaha kinds of yeah. a digestive activity? Um, by them, the doshas are produced the Bisham Bhisha, Agni, the Tikshna Agni, the, and the Manda Agni, respectively, while Sama Agni is produced by their equilibrium and the notes say, Agni, literally fire, refers to the fire-like activity in the alimentary canal responsible for the digestion of food, this activity influenced by the condition of the doshas. When all three doshas are in equilibrium, the digestion of food will be perfect in all respects, and that is Sama Agni, normal digestion. But when the doshas get aggravated, increased, they bring about their own characteristic changes in the digestive activity also when vata is aggravated the digestion becomes irregular erratic different from time to time and accompanied with flatulence etc such a digestive activity is vishama agni when pitta is aggravated the digestive activity is very intense even large quantities of food get digested very quickly and there is a burning sensation thirst etc during digestion like when you drink too much coffee Such a condition is Tikshna Agni. When kuffa is aggravated, the digestive activity is very dull, poor, inadequate. Even small quantities of food get digested after a long time, and there is heaviness in the abdomen, like when you eat too much pasta, lassitude, etc. During digestion, such a condition is a Manda Agni, or too much meat, really. All these three types are abnormal and give rise to many diseases, of the causative doshas um what i what i made a note here and it says um vata pitta kapha and digestion mirrors the birth to death it mirrors birth to death in the life cycle so like you know when you um the process of digestion and how like um I find it interesting, like, it, you know, that microcosm-macrocosm conversation.
1: Also, just that, like, digestion has different qualities. Oops. Digestion has different qualities, right? Like, all right, we might be losing Beatrix for a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's okay.
0: We're, uh, we're at about an hour or two, so we can stop here and then pick it up sometime next week.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably works. Um,
0: yeah. Cool because we're like so yeah we're an hour in um do we have any other comments on this part i think that this is like pretty basic stuff like this is yeah like this is just the introduction concepts yeah
1: yeah and i so think we'll- like over the next couple shlokas it's really just like introducing these basic ideas that you probably already know if you've studied ayurveda and we can talk about them a little bit um but it's just, i mean this is this is it's telling us what we're going to to learn essentially right yeah um
0: it's like a a very broad introduction to a lot of concepts that they're going to dig into later and we've already started digging into some of these concepts pretty i know (laughs) so we're gonna like yeah i know repeat ourselves a lot but i know that this book also repeats itself a lot so it should be interesting um yeah um maybe we'll like make an introduction or something and like make a page that you can email us to email contact page or something like that but for now um yeah but for now we'll just we'll just forge ahead right
1: yeah and thanks for um thanks for chatting today it was fun
0: yeah i'm glad that we have an excuse to chat more often yeah me too (laughs) yay
1: okay all right it's friday it's friday when we're recording this so i hope everyone has a nice weekend and, oh, yeah. Uh, it's Friday, June 19th. So I wonder when I get this up in the world. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll see. It's Good to mark these things. Exactly. Okay. All right. It was All fun. Right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye.